Security at hospitality and entertainment facilities. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins and Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins and Lacey Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. As hospitality and entertainment venues become active again, security, in addition to cleanliness strategies, should be in place. Collins and Lacey attorney, chair of our retail and hospitality practice group, Christian Stegmeyer, speaks to an industry security expert today. William Flynn is a domestic and international security expert and president of Garda Risk Management. He's also the co-founder and chief strategy officer for the Power of Preparedness, LLC. Bill has more than 30 years of domestic and international counterterrorism, military, and public safety experience. Uh, When I was perusing LinkedIn this week, uh, I saw uh, a pop-up from Hospitality Lawyer, which is probably one of the leading sources of information about all things legal concerning hospitality. And I saw that Mr. Flynn had recently presented at the Hospitality Lawyer Conference, which is uh, brought to us by Stephen Barth down in Houston, uh, probably the leading expert in hospitality law in the entire country. And what I saw Bill was participating in was um, a presentation involving exhibition and venue security protecting mass gatherings. And that's certainly something that anybody that uh, is open for business is thinking about as far as security goes. So I wanted to get Bill on to our podcast and talk a little bit about um, his recent talk and recent presentations on exhibition and venue security and protecting mass gatherings. So Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, thank you, Christian. Um, very much enjoy the opportunity to speak with you and to your um, your audience. Um, I've been doing venue security for, gee, I guess most of my most of my law enforcement and career at the Department of Homeland Security. Um, the the issue um, that I've got some concerns about, and what uh, we were st- stressing during this recent. Um, engagement was the fact that we've been focused so much on safety this past year. And that, that's clearly a reasonable objective and something we're all concerned about uh, with COVID and making sure that um, facilities, especially mass gatherings facilities, are safe for the public and patrons. And there's been you know, a fair amount of expense devoted to that. And I, my concern is we can't take our eye off of security. So while safety is extremely important, it shouldn't be at the expense of kind of, you know, dropping our, you know, uh, attention to the security concerns that were there pre-COVID and the security concerns that are there as we get out of this COVID uh, uh, time frame. And I would, I would, you know, argue that we're in a really dynamic threat environment right now and that those threats that we saw uh, pre-COVID are there and maybe even even greater in this, uh, in this you know, evolving pro-COVID. Uh, post-COVID era. What I what I mean by that is, 
we're still dealing to a degree with um, the threat of transnational terrorists. Now, we've degraded the ability for organizations like ISIS and al-Qaeda uh, to plan attacks uh, you know, in the homeland. We've degraded them because of the success of our military overseas and the success of our you know, law enforcement and intelligence capabilities here in, within the United States. But, you know, there's still a threat there. And the threat is driven by people that become um, in, uh, radicalized over the Internet. You know, they might have a leaning and then they start to visit websites to become radicalized. They, they enter into uh, chat rooms. They learn how to acquire, you know, precursor materials and, and firearms and so forth. Um, and it's very simple, you know, in many cases for them to carry out an attack. In fact, um, when we talk about mass gatherings and public assembly venues, it was only a year ago, May of last year, where there was a plot um, against um, a facility in Tampa, Florida. Very serious one because the individual had undertaken you know, online research, on-site pre-operational visa. So he had he had looked at potential targets. He then honed in on a, a particular target at Honeymoon Park in the Tampa Bay area. He visited that site to do his on-site pre-operational surveillance. He then went about acquiring uh, firearms training um, and, and associated things that, you know, he could then carry out the attack. Well, fortunately, the FBI uh, was able to infiltrate that plot, um, thwarted it, and uh, arrest this individual on charges of trying to provide uh, uh, support to um, to ISIS, a, an international terrorist organization. So that threat has not diminished or gone away entirely. The other thing we're dealing with here is just the homegrown and the domestic violent extremists. I mean, this past year we've seen you know, rioting and um, uh, situations across the United States in major cities. And so that domestic violent extremism groups, you know, are there. Uh, there's something that we need to be concerned about. Law enforcement uh, is paying a lot of attention. The FBI is paying a lot of attention. The FBI, about a week ago, put out a notification to law enforcement agencies across the across the United States. And in essence, what they were saying was, you know, be ready for a long, hot summer. What they uh, what they felt is that um, with the warmer weather approaching, with the um, COVID restrictions uh, diminishing, um, you know, localities should be preparing themselves for the strong potential for increased crime and increased violence. And, you know, even during COVID and certainly into this uh, calendar year of 2021, while most major crime categories have gone down during that COVID period, the one thing that hasn't gone down is mass shootings. Uh, mass shootings uh, set a record last year in 2020, um, and this year we're outpacing uh, what we what we did last year. There were there were um, 10 mass shootings this past weekend across the United States. So it's a very very dynamic environment, and because we've been so focused on safety. I'm concerned that venues uh, might take their eye off the ball or maybe spending resources uh, ensuring that their facilities are clean and, and uh, that's important. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that those security measures are still in place and uh, in preparation for uh, you know reopening. So as an outside expert, where do you come in as far as all this goes? 
I work with associations like the International Association of Venue Managers, uh, the International Association of Events and Exhibitions. I work with individual venues. Um, we are doing training for these associations so they can provide their members with workplace violence, active shooter, preparedness and response, you know, verbal de-escalation. You know, an element of the environment we're in is that people are stressed out. There are a lot of things that have gone on dynamically, whether it's, you know, healthcare concerns, economic uncertainty, um, you know, people being out of work, societal unrest, you know, causes stress and stress leads to violence. And so teaching your frontline employees how to de-escalate an interpersonal uh, situation that, that may be getting elevated is very, very important. And so the venues are taking this seriously. And I, and I applaud the associations like IVM and IAEE that are you know, taking steps to give uh, this kind of training uh, to their members. Well, I think it's fair to say, just in light of what you've related, that, you know, at one point when an event like this happened, and this is probably years ago at this point, but when something like this happened, you know, a defense in that case, if there was a civil matter that arose thereafter, was this is completely anticipated. We would never have contemplated that this ever happened. Kind of analogous to some of the defenses you saw in the in the nine eleven litigation, where folks said we never anticipated airline um, jets crashing into buildings, but. When you reference things about the incidents and the prevalence of, of, of shootings that happen in, in public areas almost on a weekly basis, um, that whole defense of unanticipated event has seemingly gone out the window. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, kind of what we're seeing now, um, and um, you know, the threat streams and the modes of uh, modes of attack are uh, really dynamic. And you know, organizations, you know, really need to evaluate their risk uh, to conduct an assessment, see where their potential gaps are, and address those gaps. So either through training and technology and additional security forces. I can tell you that a game changer in this whole world of uh, public assembly mass gatherings was 2015 Paris. The attack that took place there really changed the paradigm, especially for sports venues here in the United States, uh, Major League Baseball, the NFL. Most of the leagues looked at what happened there in Paris. 130 people killed. The primary target was the soccer stadium. That's where the president of France was attending a game. Three uh, three individuals with improvised explosive devices attempted to get into that facility. Fortunately, they were thwarted because security knew that their behavior was suspicious. There was an anomalous you know, uh, element to, to what they were doing. Security stopped, questioned them. So while you know people were killed, um, it prevented this attack against the stadium and probably, you know, uh, hundreds, uh, several hundred people being killed. But there was a complex attack. So it was not only the target of the stadium. They then hit cafes. They, 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 they then hit a performing arts center. Ninety people uh, were killed in that performing arts center. And so, so the sports league said, look, this is a game changer. 
you know, if this happens in one of our facilities, it's going to it's going to impact all of our facilities. And that's the way we have to look at these things. It's a collective responsibility. It's a responsibility for everybody to say we want to make sure that our facilities are are secure. And that means taking evaluation of what the event is that's going to be taking place. Some events that take place are going to be at a higher risk just by the nature of the of the venue itself. Um, and so you, you have to evaluate that. And then there's a shared responsibility responsibility from that brick and mortar facility and the event organizers to, to make sure that there's uh, enhanced security for that. The sports leagues have done a great job in doing that. I can't say the same across the board. I think that there's still a need for improvement in many other areas of, uh, of uh, security for, you know, public assembly type venues. You know, there's one off here that are very good, but, you know, by and large, you know, in my opinion, more needs to be done in certain, in certain areas that can limit the bar and raise uh, raise the bar of security uh, for, for so people can get back in and feel very safe. I, I want to wrap up and ask you uh, a question, uh, just outlining kind of what the standard is in, in, in South Carolina. We um, at one point, from a from a venue standpoint, uh, the. the the standard was unless you had knowledge of an imminent threat or operated a place that was of such a character where you knew or should anticipate violence, there really wasn't any sort of liability. Uh, but the, but the, the case law has changed in South Carolina within the last 10 years by the Supreme Court. And probably the most important case is Bass versus Gopal, which is a hotel case involving third-party assault. And in that matter, the Supreme Court said, forget about the old standard. The new standard is worth weighing into the equation the realities of today's society that if you are open to the public, you owe a minimum standard or a minimum level of security to the folks that come onto your property. And the Supreme Court went further to say, we're not going to necessarily define that standard, that if there's a litigated matter about third-party assault, um, it is expert-driven. So I guess my question is, um, you know, I, I know you, you, um, you're operating in all sorts of different states, and all sorts of different states have different standards. But as far as being able to come onto a property prospectively, when you talk about preparation, um, I'm assuming that one of the things in your wheelhouse is being able to come onto a property and work with that owner uh, and operator and say, hey, from a minimum security standpoint, uh, this is what you need to be having in place. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, uh, I'm not I'm not surprised that uh, the case law uh, changes in South Carolina. I think that it's indicative of what we're seeing uh, in other parts of the country as well. And, you know, every facility um, has a responsibility to conduct an assessment, whether that's in-house or a third party, to really look at people that have expertise in this area that can evaluate what are the threats. When we look at risk, we look at risk from three components. What is the probability of an, event, of an incident or event taking place? And that's, quote, the threat. What are the vulnerabilities of that facility? And third, what are the consequences? And so let's take an active shooter as an example. So someone might say the probability or likelihood of an active shooter event in my facility is rather limited. Now, I would argue that that trend is going in a, in a, in a direction where the likelihood is increasing, although go along with the fact that it may be uh, not you know, deemed to be a high likely threat. But let's take a look at the vulnerabilities. You know, how open is your facility? How secure is it? You know, what what 
uh, procedures and, and practices and training do you have in place? Uh, in most cases, you know, public assembly, mass gathering, hospitality venues are open, they're welcoming, and security is minimal. Unless you step it up and let's start looking at the sports leagues. You know, years ago, when we went to baseball games, you never went through a, a metal detector, you never saw explosive detection canine teams around there. Nowadays, that's common practice. There's bag searches, you know, there's uh, metal detectors, there's explosive detection canine. I'm not saying that needs to be the case in every hospitality venue. But my point is, you look at risk from a probability perspective, from a vulnerability perspective, and then what are the consequences? And the consequences of an event are severe. Not only lives lost, but, you know, the financial impacts, we live in a litigious society. There are lawsuits, there are damages, there are, you know, it's counseling, uh, medical bills. And then there's brand, you know, the brand and the franchise involved takes a, takes a hit. And, you know, that can be devastating. Um, you know, Walmart closed down their El Paso facility because of an active shooter event that took place there in 2019 uh, because it becomes a crime scene. That crime scene can last certainly days, often sometimes week and sometimes months. And so venues being able to, you know, deal with that kind of a consequences uh, is very difficult. And if you haven't done some baseline things by at least training your people, you're, you're you know, you're likely to be able to, you're not likely to be able to defend uh, yourself, uh, you know, when an incident happens and, and the lawsuits start. William Flynn, domestic and international security expert, president of Garda Risk Management, and co-founder and chief strategy officer for the Power of Preparedness. Bill, how do we find you on the internet? Um, you can go to um, thepowerofpreparedness.com. Um, that's our website. I can do my security consulting from there. You can see the training and services that we provide. Uh, we have a, a LinkedIn a workplace security forum. Uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, you know, William Flynn at, at Garter Risk Management or the Power Preparedness. Join our work uh, workplace security forum there. We put out lots of tips and best practices on a regular basis. My phone number is 910-233-0045, and it's w.flynn at Garda, G-A-R-D-A-R-I-S-K-M-G-T, GardaRiskManagement.com. And thank you, Christian. Thanks, everybody, for listening in on this important uh, topic. And thank you very much. And for more legal news and information of interest to South Carolina businesses, join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.